Well, good morning and happy post-Thanksgiving to all of you. I said last week that uh, this coming weekend we would be a much bigger church. And uh, based on what I thought everybody would consume, uh, we, we are, except Jim Escott back here told me he lost two pounds this week. That's the honest truth. He told me that. So, Bonnie, you know, feed him. Okay, feed him. Uh, and uh, hope you all had a great time with your families, and, and maybe we have some families here today still hanging around, um, and uh, you've ignored the three-day rule with visiting, and you're here another day, so uh, hopefully you'll survive one more day together. Uh, interesting thing happened this morning before the service. Um, we have at our Cedar Lake campus our assistant campus director, who uh, left a pharmaceutical job to go into ministry this last summer. His name's Mike Gutierrez. Well, we slotted him for his very first sermon today at the Cedar Lake campus. So this morning I sent him a text and I said, hey, you know, praying for you as you bring God's word, um, you know, hoping it goes great, something like that. And then I thought, oh, he may not have my number. So I said, this is Pastor Steve. Well, I got here and I got a text back and it sent us into a frenzy because he wrote back and he said, what? What are you talking about? And so we were running around back here. Wait, what are we doing? Are we going to stream now from here? Because he wasn't ready to, well, I got word from Cedar Lake. He was there and he's ready to preach. So I sent it to some random person out there. It's the wrong number. And they got the text. Hey, hope your sermon today goes great. I'm thinking, what? I'm preaching today? So, yeah, I was not scheduled to be at this campus today. I was scheduled to uh, speak at our Gary campus, and honestly, I was really excited about it. It's a little disappointing to be with you uh, because uh, I, I have not actually, uh, I've been there for a service, but I've not, I've not preached there yet. So I was super excited about that. And then all the stuff happened this week in Ferguson. And we just felt like it was an opportunity for Ray to speak into that issue there. Um, and so he's there and in a very disappointing spirit, here I am with you today. Um, and, uh, so we, uh, we're, we're having a little, a little extension to the prayer series is what we're going to do. One more message. Last weekend was sort of the scheduled end of the series. And uh, today we're going to talk just a little bit more about prayer. And uh, we're going to do so from uh, what is known as the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. So if you, uh, if you have a Bible, you can turn there. And uh, we've been talking about prayer. Last weekend we talked about making prayer practical, a lot of tips and helps on how to incorporate prayer into your, into your daily life. And last week I had, I had uh, seven, seven prayers to pray every day, seven kinds of prayers to pray every day. And uh, today I have seven ingredients to our daily bread. And what we're going to do is just focus in on one clause from the Lord's Prayer. But why don't we read the whole thing? And uh, just remind ourselves of what uh, Jesus is teaching here on the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, here's here's what it says. This is Matthew 6. I'll begin reading in verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. 
Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And may God bless his word to our hearts today. As we focus in on this little phrase, give us this day our daily bread. And they are not words that are particularly striking in the prayer. In the prayer. There are more majestic words, more elevated words here. But there is this little clause about daily bread. And it has a lot to say in a culture like ours that is very self-reliant and uh, prides itself on self-dependency. So seven ingredients to our daily bread. First of all, notice that right priorities, when we pray that right priorities mean right prayers. And the position of this prayer, I think, is significant in this model prayer that Jesus gives to us. Let's just remind ourselves, the first half are all petitions to God, or they are all prayers about God. We talked about this two weeks ago, and uh, uh, that the model prayer doesn't begin immediately with my needs and what's on my list. It begins with God and what he is like and God's priorities. It's not till you get to the second half of the model prayer where now it becomes more uh, individual. It becomes more personal to the needs that I have. And I think that that's important. It it reminds us uh, who we are addressing in prayer. I've never been a fan of people that come before God and they, they sort of pride themselves on their casual relationship with God. You know, they'd be like, hey, or something like that. Or they'll say, you know, something somewhat trite. Uh, hey, God, you know, it's me, sort of in a joking way. Really? You're talking to the God of heaven? You're going to be sort of casual about that? We certainly don't see that in the model prayer here. Our Father who art in heaven, reverenced be your name. Hallowed be your name. It puts us in our proper place when we realize that it begins with God and his character and his nature. And uh, so begin with right priorities in prayer. And the priority in prayer is not me and my needs. It is God, his kingdom, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So notice the, the place. Often we go into prayer, you know, hey God, and then boom into our list. Like God's Santa or something. Like the kids at the mall right now, they go to Santa. And I doubt they sit down on Santa's lap and they're like, Santa, let me just begin by extolling your virtue and how wonderful you are and how, you know, this, that, and the other. Uh, They just march right into their list, right? And we see that as being childish or it's immature in a way. We get it, they're kids. But we're not called to be that way. We have to remember who we're talking to and to realize that we have a deeper need you know, what's, what's your greatest need today? You might say, my greatest need today is a job. Or my greatest need today is a new car. Or my greatest need today is something fixed in a relationship. No, it's not. Our greatest need today is the same great need that we always have, and that is God himself. And in prayer, as I come to God and I can say that in a way by beginning about God, not rushing to my list, but rushing to God, it is reminding my heart of what I actually need, and that is, and that is him. So pray big God prayers, if I can encourage you to do that. Pray, begin with God, pray to God, talk about who God is, his character, what he has done. But notice that when we get to the section of prayer here about us, 
What does it begin with? And this is also wonderfully practical here. And this is the second ingredient in a daily bread. And I don't know if you get the play on words here. To make bread, you have to have ingredients. So it's seven ingredients to daily bread. Did you catch that? The next service will get it fine, but you are the first service of the morning. So I just want to make sure you get that. All right. So the second ingredient in, in our daily bread prayer is, is the fact that God is vitally interested in our, bo- our most basic human needs. You would expect almost in a model prayer that when you get to like my stuff, it's sort of like super spiritual. Like, God, give me more love. Or, God, I pray that you would help me to see your glory in a more majestic way. Something like that. But he doesn't go there. What does he go? Bread. Bread. Now, you might look at that and say, well, it must be a very spiritual kind of bread that he has in mind here. And actually, down through history, this has been a little bit of a problem in, the, in interpreting the prayer because people, it's too earthy. Like, it's a majestic prayer, and then it's bread. You know... How about something different? And so there have been different ways that people have tried to interpret this. They allegorize it to be spiritual bread, or maybe it's the bread of the Lord's Supper or something like that. Give us today that reminder from the Lord's table. Because bread's just too, like, normal, right, to include in prayer. But what I think this is talking about is bread, plain old bread, Basic human need bread. Luther has it right here when he says this. Everything necessary, talking about what this is is referring to. Everything necessary for the preservation of this life is bread, including food, a healthy body, good weather, house, home, wife, children, good government, and peace. So when you get to that model, you see that bread there. It is bread. You can pray for, you know... The bagel, the English muffin, real, real bread. But it's, it's there as a reminder of all of the basic needs that we have. And it shows us that when we pray, God invites us, even in Jesus' model prayer, to pray about the most basic thing, the most sort of essential thing in life. God, I pray for water today. I pray today for oxygen. When's the last time you prayed for that, right? I haven't recently myself, I must admit. But when you get right down to the most basic things, how about that? Is it okay to pray today, God, that you would meet my needs for um, money? That you would meet my needs, Lord, for a, a friend? That you would meet my needs today for my child who has a test? That you would meet my needs today in some uh, you know, vocational need that I, is it okay to pray that kind of thing? Does God actually care about that sort of basic human stuff? And I think what Jesus does here is he could have said, and now pray for things that you need. And what he does is rather, he just pulls out like the most basic thing, bread, and inserts it in the model prayer. And under that falls all kinds of needs that we have. It is okay to go to your heavenly father and pray about anything. He's not too glorious. He's not too great. He's not too like up there to not care about even those basic human needs that we may have. Water, shelter, air. (laughs) Imagine the God of the universe, high and lifted up, the most high God, exalted in his glory, all the majesty that is God's. And you come to him and you say, God, I need bread. 
And this great God in heaven inclines his ear and he hears that most basic request. So my friend Lisa here in the third row, her father struggling with his health. Is it okay for Lisa to pray for her dad and and, and healing in his body? If you can pray for bread, you can pray for healing, right? Now, I don't know if the Sullivan family normally sits over here somewhere. I'm not sure if they're in this service or not. One of our members, their mom, died this week. Betty Sam's funeral's tomorrow. Is it okay for the Sullivan family to go to God and say, God, we pray that you would help us with the hurt that we feel in the loss of our mom? Is, does God care about that kind of If he cares about bread, he cares about grief. What is it in your life that you're almost like too embarrassed to ask God about, but it's an actual burden on your heart? Look at bread and be reminded that God cares about that too. If he cares about the hairs on your head and knows them when they fall to the ground, then he cares about that burden that's on your heart. Go to God and pray about it. We don't need to be embarrassed to do so. Third ingredient to prayer, daily bread prayer, is that it acknowledges that God is the provider of our needs. Notice the first word in that. It is a, it is a request. What is the word? One, two, three. Okay. You did great on that Thanksgiving prayer earlier in the service. That was really, I thought, a nice moment in the service. Give us today our daily bread first word. Give. Okay. We're losing momentum here, though, I have to say. Come on, folks. All right. What is it? It's give. What does give acknowledge? For me to say to God, give, what am I saying? I don't have it. You have what I am desiring. I am, I am acknowledging that you are the giver of what I need, God. I'm coming to you. I'm asking that you would provide for my needs. And of course, in the story of Israel, this is a big part of the Old Testament narrative story. Of, and if you look at even geographically where God put Israel, he could have, he could have picked any spot to put his people, but he puts them geographically basically in a desert. And he puts them right between massive ancient kingdoms, the Assyrian kingdom, the Babylonian kingdom, the Egyptians. They were always going to war. Where did they happen to meet all the time? Right there in Israel, right right where his people were. So they were in a spot where they were living in a sense, a constant dependency upon God. They, they, you know, it, it wouldn't rain and they would cry out to God, give us rain. It would be dangerous with war and pestilence and all the rest. They would cry out to God, provide for us. He put them in a spot where they would realize almost daily how much they needed him. And scripture over and over reminds us of this. Here's Psalm 145. The Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. The Lord upholds all those who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and give, you give them their food at the proper time. You open their hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. Scripture over and over re- reminds us, admonishes us not to forget that everything that we have has been given to us by God. That He is the giver of all good gifts. 
And when I pray, give me today daily bread, I am acknowledging that the bread that I need for that day, and that could be strength for the tough day, that can be wisdom for the parenting situation, it could be anything that I need. When I pray that prayer, I am acknowledging that I am not sufficient for what this day requires. And God, I am looking to you as the supplier of everything that I need. It is to acknowledge that God is the one who meets our needs and not ourselves. And I say that here, and that's a tough sell in uh, modern suburban America. Because all of our fridges right now have leftover turkey probably in them and leftover food in them. We're coming, it's like three days off of the, uh, the biggest gorging, gluttonous day of the year. And so to say to Americans that God is the one who supplies all of our needs, when we have so much abundance, it's, it easily falls on deaf ears, right? Let's just acknowledge that today, in a pinch, there's always McDonald's, right? I can always hit that Arby's up there, and I got a little bit of money, and I got the food that I need is always accessible. We happen to live in Indiana, where across the street from our church here is a great big cornfield. And there are cornfields everywhere. And we live in the breadbasket of America. This state and a few others literally feed the world. And so it's a little hard in a place like this for us to say, God, I need you for bread because we make the bread for the whole world. So in theory, we could maybe skip this part of the prayer right here, Midwestern Americans. We just kind of slide over. We, we got this one covered, God. We don't need you in this. And on top of that, we have within a few miles here, Strachan Van Til, Wise Way, Jewel. There's an Aldi's just over here. There's a Myers up there and maybe a few I forgot. So this kind of the prayer is sort of like blah, 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 right? Which leads to the fourth ingredient, and that is self-dependence. The proud heart's self-deception. If I might quote the great 20th century theologian Bart Simpson here a moment. He once offered a prayer at mealtime by saying, God, we paid for this stuff, so thanks for nothing. Remember Nebuchadnezzar? King Nebuchadnezzar in the Old Testament. Daniel tells the story of Nebuchadnezzar, king, of course, of Babylon. At the time, the most powerful king that had ever ruled. Tells the story in Daniel 4 of a lesson that God taught Nebuchadnezzar. And here's how the story goes. I'll just read it to you. At the end of 12 months, Nebuchadnezzar was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon which I have built by my own power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field." And you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time, seven years, shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. 
And the story goes that Nebuchadnezzar lost his sanity and for seven years out in the field just lived off the land, essentially, until he in his heart realized that God was the one who had given him this great kingdom. And so often, this is the way that it is. Nebuchadnezzar, his pride led to a self-deception, which led to a kind of self-dependence. And he thought to himself, look at me. Look who I am. And God took it away from him to remind him who was the giver of all good things. And maybe you're in a season right now. You're not living in the field, but God has taken some things away from you. And you cry out to God and you shake your fist at God and you think, God, why have you taken this thing away from me? Might it be, like Nebuchadnezzar, that God is trying in your heart for you to realize that you are not God and that everything that you have has been given to you by God. Friends, one of the things that we have to realize all the time is that everything that we do is dependent upon the Lord. We think that we've got what we need. We've got money in the bank. We've got food in the, in the fridge. You know, we've got a job. We can sort of meet our own needs. But all of this can so easily be gone, can it? And we have people in our church that go through these experiences where all of a sudden they, they lose the job and they lose the home and they lose, you know, the family, we had a family in our church a few weeks ago, they had a fire, house burned down. I sent out a note about it in my, in my little uh, First Bethelonians thing. And to see the way they responded in faith to that loss was uh, tremendous. And so everything we have, it's all fleeting, isn't it? It's all a temporary gift from God. And when I pray, God, give to me daily bread, I am reminding myself and I'm saying to God something that I need to hear. And that is that all that I have is from the Lord and is to acknowledge that it is His. It is His. So Pastor Steve, you're saying everything comes from God. Is that right? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Well, then how does God provide our daily bread exactly? I mean, wasn't Bart Simpson just a little bit true? I mean, if I worked and I paid for it, then isn't it kind of me that's providing this? How does God actually meet our needs? And the Bible says that there's actually two ways that God meets our needs, neither of which are any less God because of how he does it. Natural laws and miraculous provision. Okay? Let's just talk about these two quickly. Miraculous provision. You read the Bible and you see that there are times where God can set aside the natural order of things and miraculously meet needs. Easy examples of this, uh, Israel in the wilderness. They wandered around for all those years. Every morning, what did they find? Manna, right? And Moses told them, you are only to take enough manna for that day, except on the Sabbath, where you, or before the Sabbath, where they could take up enough for, for the Sabbath day. And of course, the first day the manna showed up, what did you have people doing? Hoarding it, right? Taking up more than that daily need. And the next morning they woke up and it was all mildew and mold and God was angry by that. And I think actually the daily bread principle, it's, I think Jesus is drawing it from the Old Testament story of the manna that God provided. That daily provision from God, they woke up that day, there's everything they needed. They woke up the next day, there's everything that they needed. It was a miraculous provision from God. 
Elijah is, uh, during the famine and the drought, was fed by ravens. Jesus in the wilderness. There he is. There's 5,000 men, maybe with children and women, 10,000 people. They're all hungry. There's no food. What does Jesus do? He multiplies the, the fish and the loaves, and he miraculously meets the needs. Can God miraculously meet needs that we have? You bet he can, anytime that he wants to. But the normal way that God meets our needs is through the natural order and the natural means that God has built into this creation. And this includes seeds, planting, watering, cultivating, harvesting, cooking. It involves oceans and rain and rivers and water, sunlight, plants, photosynthesis, oxygen, All of these are the natural means by which God has just built into this world how he feeds the world. I mean, imagine being God. There's 7 billion people on earth, and every day you got to feed 7 billion people. Some of you had like three people over for Thanksgiving. You're still tired from it. God's feeding 7 billion people every single day. God, how do you do that? That's a massive kitchen in heaven. No, no. He built this world in a way that it would provide for our needs. It also includes the natural order of working. I can work and I can have provision from that work. And that provision can be something that I use to meet my most basic needs. That's also part of the natural order that God has set up. So, as we said, our daily prayer involves more than God providing our food needs, but it definitely involves that, right? How about the healing? Prayer meetings that I've been into over the years, 90% of the prayers that people submit have to do with some kind of physical ailment and the need for healing. And oftentimes we'll pray, God, won't you, you know, miraculously step in and bring healing? I believe God can do that, okay? But how does God normally bring healing? Well, uh, to give you an idea, I, I got this uh, uh, information. Each one of us, I didn't know this off the top of my head, each one of us have approximately 1 trillion T cells and 1 trillion B cells. Did you know that? Aren't you glad you came to church today? You have trillions of these cells in your body. Plus approximately 10 billion antigen presenting coursing. I can't even know what that means. Coursing through our body even as we sit here. Fighting off diseases. The disease of the person sitting next to you trying to get you, you got stuff in there, fighting it off. (laughs) We have plasma cells producing a single type of antigen-specific antibody at a rate of 2,000 antibodies per second. Your body is doing that right now. There's words here I can't even pronounce. We have lymphocytes. Some doctor's going to say I said it wrong. But... That's what it looks like to me. With 100,000 identical receptors on its cellular membrane that enable it to recognize one specific antigen. 10 million are in you right now. We have little pathogens coursing through our body. They're like little Pac-Men eating up harmful cells. Is that not God? Or did you come up with all that stuff somehow? We see here then the natural way that God can produce healing. He uses natural means most often to provide for our bread, for our air, for our health. 
And so when I say give us today our daily bread in a prayer like that, and I am in my heart including the full breadth of everything that I need in that day, I am acknowledging that God is the ultimate source of everything that I need. Sixth ingredient. It calls for generosity. Let's go back to the text. Give us this day our daily bread. It doesn't say give me. It says give us this day our daily bread. I would bet a lot of our prayers, unknowingly, sound a lot more like give me this day my daily bread. And as long as my needs are met, then I'm a happy camper. But the text doesn't say give me. It says give us. And even in that, you see that there is a large-heartedness in this prayer. There is this sense of my desire for my brothers and sisters, for their needs also to be met. Sometimes it's actually possible when I, when I have needs that I want to be met and I see God meeting other people's needs in the way that I wish that he would meet my needs, I actually can be upset about that. Well, look at Jane over there. She has a job. Why don't I have a job? Look at Tom over there. He has a wife. Why don't I have a wife? etc. And we sort of get into this sort of like, God's got to meet my needs, and I'm not going to be happy about him meeting other people's needs. And there's this sort of corporate sense of the prayer that God builds into this, where I am glad when God meets my needs, but I rejoice when others are rejoicing as well. And I can be glad when God provides for other people in some particular way, answers the prayer that they have prayed. Or maybe I actually pray that God meets their needs. And I sincerely mean it As much as I want him to meet my needs, I want him to meet their needs. This is generosity. A generous spirit. Not wanting to have at other people's expense. That's a thief, right? I'll take from you so that I can have my needs met. But Christianity is me saying God can meet anybody's needs and I want all of them met. And I'm happy when God meets your needs. Be happy when he meets mine. Seventh, final ingredient. And this I think is... Part of why that little word daily is inserted in there. He could have said, give us today um, our bread. But it's our daily bread. Why did he put that word in there? And I think it's because God is wanting us to realize that we must have a day-by-day dependence upon him. To live my life in a daily sort of understanding, a surrender, a recognition that in this day, this Tuesday, just like my Monday and my Wednesday, like my Tuesday, that this is another day that I am going to be dependent upon God to meet all of my needs. And, and this is what Jesus goes on in, even in the, the, the Sermon on the Mount. Here's the rest of the verses after. He says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. That's a good sermon right there. How many of you are worrying somehow about your life right now? Yeah, okay. A lot of hands went up. And uh, in some respect, all of us have worries about something in our life. Jesus says, don't worry about it. That's easy to say, isn't it? Well, how, how do I do? What do I do instead? Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. And there's those most basic needs. Or about your body. Or about what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food? And some of you right now are going, that's hard for me to conceive, right? Food. And the body more important than clothes. 
Again, some of you are like, what's he talking about? That's like where it's at. My body, my clothes, how I look. For the pagans run after all these things. And isn't that the society that we live in, right? The accumulation of things, the look, the, the hype about all of that. And that's just, that's the world that we live in. Jesus says, don't worry about those things. Okay, well, how can I not worry about them? Your heavenly Father knows you need them. When we go to God and say, God, I need daily bread today, he's not in heaven going, what? Or you go to God and say, God, I'm concerned about this relationship, or I need a job, or my car, or this or that. God is, we never inform God in prayer, right? God, you may not realize this, but I have a certain need, and I want you to make sure that you knew about it. He already knows everything that we need, doesn't he? We're not informing God. Rather, we are uh, trusting in him in prayer. So rather than being all worried and living and fretting and about all these things, how then are we supposed to live? And here's the famous Matthew 6, 33. Rather than live in that way, seeking those things, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. And you see those two different ways of sort of living, right? Living for, uh, for, for things, living for clothes, living for body, living for bread, living for stuff, or living for the righteousness of God and His glory and seeking Him. And maybe just pause right now and just ask yourself, man, am I orienting my life? Which one of those two am I kind of living for, leaning on? The pagans don't believe in God, and so they can't trust Him for anything. I wrote it this way, we are to pray for our needs, not our greeds. Pray for the needs. Trust God for those needs. And then God can give you more if he so chooses, can he? Imagine it this way. Let's say to you that uh, I said on, on the way out today, I've got great news. God has given us a whole bunch of checkbooks, okay? Every one of you get to have a, it's a checkbook and it's out of God's account, you're like, this is the greatest day to go to church in my entire life. And so we have them for you, and you're like, this is wonderful, right? And so uh, you uh, take that checkbook home. Uh, because it's you know the Lord's day, you decide, I'm not going to spend any of his money on, on his day, but I can't wait to get to the stores tomorrow. You say, I can write checks out of God's account on this checkbook? I say, that's exactly right. You can. Okay? So you get home. And you start looking at the checkbook, and you're shocked to find that all the dates are already filled in, right? So, what's today? November 30th? Is tomorrow December 1st, I guess? So you get tomorrow, more tomorrow, you, you know, December 1st, it's the date's already in, December 2nd, December 3rd, December 4th, December 5th, December 6th, you're like flipping through this thing like, he's already signed these checks and the dates are already filled in. And then you look in the amount, and rather than a figure, God has written everything you need. Everything you need. Next day you look, everything I need. Next day, everything I need. Next day, everything I need. Signed, God. That's the daily bread prayer. It is God saying, I am going to meet your needs. You can trust me. I got everything that you need. 
for whatever you're facing, not your greeds, but your needs. I got all that you need, and I am going to meet that need. And prayer, in a sense, is sort is like it's like pulling that check out every day, that daily bread, and saying, God, today, once again, I believe that you're the one that's going to meet my needs. And I see the promise that you've made. I'm trusting you in this. And today, I just want to ask you, are you? Okay? Are you? Are you here? You're filled with anxiety and worries about this, that, and the other. Maybe you've come to church today hoping something would be here to help you out. And it's a message on prayer. And what it really is a message is about God and the kind of care and love that he has for his people. He has not left us here. We're the Israelites in the wilderness. He has not left us here, but he has made a promise to us. You have manna every day. You start hoarding it, living for the hoard, believing in the pile, trusting in the pile. It will mold and mildew. But I promise you, I am going to meet your needs. And so in the morning... To pray, God, today, I trust you. And I ask you today, give me daily bread. Give me everything that I need for this day that you've put in front of me. I believe that you are the sovereign God. You can meet that need in whatever way that you want. But I'm going to work and labor in this world in the way that you would have me to do. But I am trusting in your provision, not in myself. And his promise is that he will always meet our needs hebrews four sixteen. let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need this reminds me of the old hymn and uh this might be a new one for you because it's an old one okay the old hymn day by day and with each passing moment Strength I find to meet each trial here. Trusting in my Father's wise bestowment, I've no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives unto each day what he deems best. Lovingly it's part of pain and pleasure, mingling toil with peace and rest. That's that's what he's saying here. And so we trust him. We pray every morning. Give me today daily bread, God. So, with that, would you stand? How about we sing the old hymn together? Could we do that? Let's sing this together as a kind of daily bread prayer to the Lord. Day by day and with each passing moment. Strength I find to meet my trials here. Trusting in my Father's wise bestowment, I've no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind... Thank you. Gives unto each day what he deems best. Lovingly, it's part of pain and pleasure, mingling toil with peace and rest. So why don't you just do that right now a moment? Why don't you pray a daily bread prayer to the Lord, and then I'm going to lead us in a final prayer. Go ahead.
Heavenly Father, Lord, of this congregation, the hearts here could speak out loud to think of the worries, the pains, the sorrows, the longings, the aspirations, the discouragements that are right here in this room. And Lord, we thank you for giving us a model of approaching you in prayer that has the seeds of the solutions to our anxieties. And that is a trusting and a resting dependence upon a God who loves us and who has promised to meet our needs. Lord, I pray that you would please move us in that direction. Forgive us for so often, even as a church, being self-reliant, thinking that we have what it takes to do ministry, to be effective in Northwest Indiana, Lord, to do these endeavors with Mission Them or whatever, somehow that we have what it takes. God, that is hubris, it is pride, it is sin. We confess it to you. Father, we want to be found on the other side. We want to be the congregation that has a hand open to its Heavenly Father, not to demand, but to receive, not to uh, condemn or to be bitter, but to uh, trust and to believe and to hope in you. And Lord, I do pray that you would meet the desires and the needs of this congregation, every single person here. Lord, I pray that whatever was just prayed in this daily bread prayer, I do pray, God, that you would provide. And maybe you would do it in a way today that would give encouragement to a brother or sister that you are there and that you care and that you love. And Father, we thank you that you have given us Jesus and his cross as the living, uh, uh, enduring emblem of your promise to meet all of our needs. We think of Romans 8. If God did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? And Lord, I pray that, these, that the all things that you promised there, Lord, would be uh, enough for us to uh, uh, hope in you, but not so much that we forget you and slide into self-dependence. Lord, help us to remain in a trusting way before you. And may you be honored in this church as the one who has done everything and has granted every good gift that we have. To you be all the glory and all the praise. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.